What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is rapper, producer, and graphic designer Verifada. We spoke about Bob's Burgers, The Sopranos, Life is Beautiful, AMC Stubbs A-List, Influencer Culture, how And One Basketball helped him appreciate the synergy between rap and film, Streetball's effect on pop culture, video game soundtracks, the importance of archiving, his relationship with producer Rob Chambers, and the creative process behind his latest project, My Own Two Hands. Come fuck with us. What's crackhead, everybody? Uh, welcome back. Real notes. Um, it's a fucking 80 degree day out here on Long Island, um, where we both are at the moment, which I'm just now realizing. Um, it's Dylan Green, Cinema Sci. Um, I got a lot of names. I do a lot of shit. Um, I bounce around a lot. And, you know, like, like COVID's not gone, but we're out here. It's summertime. Things feel good. Um, and yeah, I'm with somebody else who does a lot of bouncing around and is all sorts of different places and works with all sorts of different people. Um, and the fact that he's here, it means a lot. So it's just, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I, I don't like my brain, my brain is like, I'm trying to bring it all together, but I'm very, very happy to have the Ravada here, rapper, producer, fucking Zen Griffey himself fucking Zenith Rodman, all the, all, all the names, Zenithin, everything. Zen, thank you for being here, bro. I know you're a busy man, so your time is super duper appreciated. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really appreciate the introduction. No, oh, of course. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, um, you know, like I've been, um, I've just been running through, I've just been running through your past um, for maybe like the past like day or two just to like prep myself and like refamiliarize myself and just like all the names just like yeah like how could I not you know like it all it, it, it all just kind of it all just kind of works the way it works and um I'm excited to talk about all of that and all the music you've done and all the people or, or not all the people you've worked with but like a good amount of people you've worked with but like I want to start this off with the first question I ask everybody who comes on here which is uh what was the last movie or tv show that you watched that you had a strong opinion about Strong opinion. Well, I did go see uh, the Bob's Burgers movie with my shorty. How'd you like it? And it was kind of mid, but it was also, it was mid only for the fact that it was a prolonged, uh, like it was a musical, but it yes. wasn't, a, it wasn't a musical in the traditional sense. It was a musical where, uh, like, I feel like they only did that so that they could fill up the two hours without it feeling like they tried to drag it. So like, let's add a five minute song that actually conveys what's going on, like for every sort of chapter or movement of it. Like I see what they're going for. And it's funny because I feel like I had a really popular song of Zenith Rodman where I had a line where I said, I don't watch Bob's Burgers. And then a year later, I just low-key got into it. So I'm a hypocrite, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I, was just, I just never go to the movies. That might've been, been the first movie I've seen since COVID, like in a theater. Really? But it was, it was good as far as like a Bob's Burger episode arc is concerned. Mm -hmm. My memory feels like any other episode. It did, but it just ended. Every time they started singing, I was just like, "Oh God!" 
know? <laughs> but that's just that's just me. I don't know if I I feel like now I'm 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 in um I'm I'm in film world on your side of things. So I feel like if I hate on a musical, it might be like, oh, well, you can't hate on a musical. It's a musical. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like most people still just unless you're really on that Broadway wave. I feel like most people are kind of like, all right, the song. I just think of Grease. You know the movie Grease. Yeah, like, of course I know Grease. Like, <laughs> well, I have to distinguish that too because I'm also Greek. So when I say you know Grease, everyone's like, yeah, you're Greek, bro. I'm like, no, I mean, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's just, funny. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I had no other point. <laughs> um, so, like, it's so funny. I was talking to Gang about this a couple weeks ago. I had him on the podcast not too long ago. So, like, so like musicals, like, I grew up with them. I like them to an ex- like I like them to an extent. I don't like them as much as I used to. But um, Bob's Burgers is something that I always just like, like. I just accepted the fact that there's going to be like music that comes with the show because I really like the show a lot. And like, now that you mention it, I'm curious, like what, so like you weren't fucking with it before, but like what, what inspired you to jump in and really give it a chance? And like, why, like, like, why are you fucking with it now to the point that you're going to the movies for the first time since COVID to see the Bob's Burgers movie? That's, that's a, that's a pretty drastic change. I just caught myself watching the show on my girlfriend's couch with her and it, the movie was coming out. So I'm like, oh, we're going to go see it, right? And it wasn't really anything deep. It was just okay. like, I'm just saying, with my girlfriend watching Bob's Burgers, we're bonding over it. Oh, let's go see a movie. Because like, realistically, I like, I never go to the movies. We're actually just talking about it yesterday. It was me and a bunch of my friends. We were talking about, is it worth it to um, pay $20 a month for this AMC subscription that they have mm-hmm. now? And we we're, we we're basically saying, if you go see two movies a month, you're getting your money's worth, if not a deal, basically like a free movie. And I'm like, I can't think of 24 movies I went to go see in the past decade. But then my man's, my man's Jay, he's the one, he runs the sound lab. He was like, he's like, man, I went, I went and saw three movies this month. We're all like, nah, you fine. You and he like was listening to movies that we saw. He saw, right, you know, I think the fun. Some people like I just think some people they like going to the movies like they'll just watch a movie. Other people, it's like they know they're like, yeah, I'm about to go see this movie. I don't go to the movies. I'm about to go see this movie. But also, I'm like, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like for me to want to go to the movies, it could be one of two things. It's mad people telling me, yo, we're going to the movies. It's like five, six of us, seven of us. We're going to the movies. And I'm just like, OK, cool. We're going to the movies. I don't need to know what we're seeing, what it is. I'm there for the experience. If anything, I like it. I like to experience something where I have no uh you know preface i just go like i remember seeing benjamin when i saw benjamin button it was one of those types of things it was high school yo we're going to see benjamin button da, da, da. i had no idea what it was about so out the gate for the first 15 minutes i'm like what are we watching this is crazy <laughs> one commercial or one thing or who brad pitt you know it wouldn't i wouldn't have like you know but then i, I don't know I'm, I'm weird with movies i feel like movies is like It'll be. It'll also be a movie you're like really hyped about seeing, and then it's that one movie, and then it's trash. But then the one movie you had no expectation of, you're like, I actually love that movie, and I would have never anticipated seeing it had I been advertised it. I might just be a weird psychopath with these things because I feel like I don't want to be advertised to, but I'm also kind of obsessed with like good marketing. Yeah. But I'm the worst <laughs> person to try to market. You know, I'm just not. I don't know what demographic I even fall into. Like. 
because I'm also when you try to recommend me an ad, I'm just no, no, no. Even if it has stuff to do with me, I'm fucking up my algorithm because I'm like, nope, doesn't apply. I don't care. Even if it has everything to do with my hot basketball, NBA, hip hop, making beats. Nope, nope, not interested. Does not apply to my lifestyle. <laughs> you want what you want, what you want, but you don't want people to show you the things you want is what you're telling me right now. <laughs> I don't want to see them. I don't want to see because the algorithm inferred like, oh, yeah, I know you're going to like this. You Like, I, I want to be told by someone like, yo, maybe you should check that out. But then, yeah. you know, someone's going to, yo, you have to go see it. You have to go. I'm like, nah, bro. But I will tell people to watch The Sopranos no matter what. Because they'll be like, really? <laughs> I'm like, bro, I don't watch any TV shows, but I watch The Sopranos. That's everyone that tried to tell me to watch Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and Sons of Anarchy. All these shows I just remember from, like, the original Netflix wave. Everyone's yeah. trying to get me to watch. And then I started watching Sopranos. I watched it for the first time four years ago. And I've watched yeah. it like 10 times in the film. Yeah. So, okay. So like, that's, so like, that's tight. Cause like, I'm from that area. Like I'm from that area of Jersey where the Sopranos takes place. And I've been meaning to like, just like, yes. Yeah, so it's just like, what is it? What is it about the Sopranos that really got you when you first watched it? Cause like ev everyone has like everyone I know who watches the show has their own like story about what inspired them, like what got it started. Like what was it about the Sopranos that hooked you from the jump on that? Well, for one, you know, growing up in New York, a lot of people were watching Sopranos. A lot of people always like, you know, in a very serious tone, it's a great show. You got to watch that show. Yo, you, yo, you have to watch The Sopranos. You need to. Oh, man, what a great show. You know what I mean? That's like, that's, oh. Yeah. You could be having the most loud, funny conversation. You haven't, oh, my goodness. Like, the most jokester of all your friends will look at you serious. Like, bro, you have to watch that show. Like, oh, my goodness. Clench their heart. Like, oh, you have to watch. So it's like, all right, years go by, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Rob Chambers, who's my best friend and half-cousin, he tells me, he's like, Honestly, you got to watch it. You're kind of bugging. You haven't watched it. And this is the closest yeah. person to me in my life. Like, If he tells me to, to try something, I'm going to try it because I'm probably bugging. I watch it. And within, I want to say, like, you know, I think I binged like the first four or five episodes. And I'll, I just, granted, you go into it thinking like, yeah, there's going to be a great mob story or whatever. And it employed so many cinematic elements to me like every episode kind of had its own sort of like like David Chase was clearly trying to do something in particular with how they shot this episode and how they shot that episode nothing is really repeated and this is still like a first season I'm noticing like wow they don't really repeat angles too often it's very similar similar vantage points but you know if you were to look at a coordinate they were still five feet to the right rather than just the same exact it's not just two cameras on a tripod that they went back and forth from or A and B. They maybe had like, who knows, you know, but. Right. They're not working on like a crazy template. Like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There, there was no like style template. And also, you know, looking into the history of the show, I was originally supposed to be uh, on public cable or whatever you call it. Is it public cable? Cable? Public yeah, broadcast? Ba basic cable, cable I guess. Public yeah. Cable television cable network television whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's too intense it's too raw like we're gonna have to take that jump and go straight hbo and from what i understand that was one of the first shows 
to ever really do that. Like the kind of the format that we all go with now, that was a very new and daring format of that time. Right. To be on the channel HBO. And it, 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 I found myself obsessing with all of the elements of the show that had nothing to do with the Italian mob family or whatever you would think just the Sopranos title is trying to sell you. Right. And I'm like, wow, whoever shot this show is like a film nerd. You know what I mean? I felt like I was watching something. I'm like, this is like what appeases every, like, like what you just want out of a good movie happens in one episode of The Sopranos. You know, like, I, and everyone right. will talk about, like, you know, every show is, every episode gets crazy. But I feel like with The Sopranos, like, I watch two, three episodes and I'm going inspired to, like, shoot a video. I'm inspired to, I'm just inspired generally to hold the camera. I'm inspired to, David Chase did something specifically and I noticed him because I, I would wa- I would watch a lot of his interviews around the time that I was like first watching The Sopranos in full. He was saying how not a lot of people would even, uh, he not a lot of people would mount the camera or use tripod shots for, for like dialogue. Like would they be sitting out front of Satrials yeah, and it's kind of like those would be the most simple. Sh- it was, it was just the. It's not just all right. The cameras pointed to him. It's like while he's talking, it's going to be at this low angle, and you're going to see the sky and the reason why, and like you, when you could tell that it was the dreams, because some episodes it would kind of show you like, oh, Tony's dreaming. All these things are happening, but then other times you would have to wait. It's shot like this. Look at how his his head is filling the frame with this awkward angle. It's probably a dream. Because in the same way, you might be having a dream, not realizing it's a dream, but you see the, when you, the more you've had dreams a certain way, you get those cues. Now you're in the mind yeah. of Tony Soprano getting this, when he's realizing he's in a dream because you're familiarizing with the orientation of the shot or whatever. Right. Little, little, little things like, little things like that will, will just, it's, 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 it's also, uh, granted, there's a whole, um, crew and staff involved with the Sopranos, hundreds of people working on this. But when I see it, I still see like, right, there's two guys on the camera and one person with a camera with an idea. So I'm still inspired. Like it doesn't see, there's no special effects. There's no camera tricks. It's just, it's techniques yeah. and writing, you know? Right. Like I'm, uh, like, I'm actually real interested in that bit you talked about with the dreams. Cause like, I don't remember who said it, but like I read something or somewhere like about like, like dreams like whether it's on a TV show or in a movie, like dreams are something that you can pretty much, like you can use any sort of technique to like throw people off and like let them know that you're in a dream. Like it could be something as simple as like Tony's head filling up the frame in a shot in a particular way. Or it could be like a special effects extravaganza. Like you, it, like, you just like never know, like, like just any sort of thing that just like sets the world askew, whether it's like a color change or like a slightly like altered angle on a camera, like like dream logic is just so weird and like interesting in that way. And I'm always really intrigued by the way people show like either like dreams or like mental psychosis, like through a camera. Cause it's like, cause it's like, how do you use a camera to get inside someone's head, you know? And like when people figure that out in a way that communicates like, oh, this person's having a dream or, oh, this is a flashback or, oh, this is like, 
um, an episode or some shit, you know, like that's always really, and you know, like Tony Soprano is somebody who has a lot of those moments pretty often, you know, like, so it's, um, so yeah, David Chase and his team were really like, I haven't, it's so crazy because I haven't even seen all of the Sopranos and I feel so stupid for having not seen it all yet, but like, yeah, yeah, see, <laughs> but like, I always really appreciated that, you know? Yeah, no. Nah, when, when, when you get the chance, I guess now take, take my recommendation as someone that hasn't watched many, if like I literally watch Jeopardy and Antiques Roadshow. Like I don't watch television at all. I never really got into a TV show. I never got into a series. You know, like I watched every sitcom like anyone else and we're all young, you know, like Fresh Prince, Martin, whatever. Like, right. but I didn't like get into right. like, yo, did you watch the next episode? Like, nah, that, Dragon Ball Z when we were nine and they were like airing it at like, five o'clock six o'clock every day like playing it through chronologically that's when i was like running home like oh you'd be playing at the park with kids They're like dragon balls he's about to be on we all running home that was like, right so, but then i don't know i got into westworld a little bit but they like i don't know they just they went in all types of did you watch that at all yeah 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 I, th- I think i made it through like the first two seasons and then like around three i was like i don't really need to be here anymore i'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this yeah like, three tried to turn it into like a damn acting film and it was like bro it was so much better when it was like when mad people were like the show's boring and i'm like whatever i like it for whatever reason i was enjoying the first season a lot and i don't know it just it, it was fun to actually be like oh new episode sunday i'm about to watch it yeah like and that enjoyment out of things i don't even get that enjoyment from basketball anymore you know like it's kind of sad so i tried damn. to find find something to at least look you know like oh even like oh you guys don't like it i don't care i like it you guys liked all that other stuff i didn't like i'm allowed to like this thing right i felt left out for years i'm watching people are having breaking bad parties i'm here not knowing what's going on because i just wanted to have a beer with my friends like damn (laughs) so so this is sorry i was i was about to say i was gonna about the Sopranos though I thought how the Sopranos was super interesting for the fact that I feel like it was every character was kind of like a reason why they were an unfit and not traditional mob boss and it kind of speaks to how like everything that people idolize from the 60s 70s 80s is becoming inspired uh expired you know like I feel like a lot of people look at the Sopranos at least now you see this one thing but I'm watching it and it's almost like every single character has their own arc that's showing you they're literally like they're not holding up whatever code of the mob or the family that they were supposed to. And they're all kind of breaking the rules in their own way. And Tony of all of them was actually breaking all the rules, if not the most. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, and, um, when, cause uh, the show turned 20 recently. So I was doing a lot of reading on it just because like the interviews and podcasts were everywhere. So I was just kind of like, just, 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 you know, it's like, just like generally curious as someone who's like pretty casual. 1999 uh i think it, it, it was um maybe maybe it wasn't 20 years but it's like because like because like it started in like the early it was either like the late 90s or the early 2000s i forget exactly but mm-hmm. like it's been it's been it's been like a minute so like but but like whatever the whatever the reason was they just started putting out all this like legacy yeah 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 it started in 99 so like they started putting out a bunch of fucking like <laughs> they started putting out a bunch of like i just realized something i'm sorry keep going they started no nah, no nah. 
<laughs> nah, you're cool. Um, what's it called? So like, so like I was doing a bunch of reading and uh, a lot of people were mentioning how like people our age and a little younger were like starting to go back to watch The Sopranos and people were like realizing that the show is also just like a lot about just, it's about like the decay of like the image of, 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 of like a mafia member like you're talking about, but it's also just about like decay period. Cause like, there's so many little, there's so many little scenes and moments of like that particular area of Jersey. That's just like, it's just like landfill piles and just like stripped land. And just like, there's just like a lot of like background. There's like a lot of little like background details of stuff, just like decaying, like by the wayside. And just like people just trying to figure out how to exist in, in a world like, in a, like, cause like, people like Tony and everyone in his family were kind of like, especially within the mob family were like, they were positioned to be certain kinds of people that don't really exist anymore. If that makes sense. And like, they're trying to exist in a world that they're, they're trying to exist in a world that's not made for them in the way that it was for like their fathers and their uncles. And like, that's really interesting to me. And just like, just like how banal and how like weird and like boring it can be sometimes just like Tony being at home with his wife and his kids and sitting with his therapist and just like going through like, just like stuff that you don't normally see a mobster do. Cause like at that point you hadn't really seen a mobster go to a therapist. You hadn't really seen a mobster kind of like argue with his kid in not like a mob context, like something out of like the Godfather, like fucking, um, the Corleones, like figuring out their family legacy type shit. So like, so like from, so like from what I've seen and from what I've kind of absorbed from like friends of mine, cause like I have a bunch of friends who are really into it they, and they also got into it like hella recently. So like just kind of absorbing all of that through them, it's made me really excited to really like go back and dig into the show and really like get at it. And like, and like, I'm basic. The Gabagool shit is still funny to me. Like, like <laughs> it's 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 just funny to me like i found this you from, if you from if you from the if you from the tri-state area i, I think anyone can kind of like take something away from the show yeah even if it's not your favorite even if it wasn't as engaged anyone from from jersey new york long island connecticut all tri-state area like around the city i feel like everyone can see that and be like because so many of the things that are like themes for each episode, they're still so relevant today. And that goes mm-hmm. with a lot of great films, great TV films, whether it was from 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Like if they, if they were good then, they're probably still gonna be good now because a lot of our issues have not changed. We just have more technology. Yeah. You know, and we, we forget that because more of the technology is, you know, the wool over our eyes and then they just they sell us the experiences uh, with 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 TV shows and and TikTok influencers and stuff like that to to repackage the experience to make you feel inclined to still be into the things other people were into but not have the same experiences. It's not so they want they want people to be influencers, bro. You walk into like Target, Walmart, and they have more technology to facilitate being an influencer in your own home, which is kind of cool because it's like stuff for the kids, but it's like it it whole wall of like selfie sticks and mounts and lights and stuff to influence people but i'm like don't you become an influencer because you like did stuff for like 15 years yeah. high school 
aren't you supposed to be like older or do something specifically or like oh this is like the son of like a famous designer at the least i don't know like not to idea of like i'm gonna influence you to do these things i actually have never done but i'm showing you what they are right <laughs> yeah like that yeah like that whole that whole dichotomy is just like it's weird right because like because like to me that like to me there's a difference between someone who's like really like actively into a thing and wants to like show their passion and their love for that and then like someone who's like pushing something just because it's like oh hey i want you to push this you know like to me to, like it's very easy like it's easy for me to tell but at the same time i've never like not to say that i've like never found myself getting worked up over it but it's just like i can just like i can just tell when somebody really cares about something they're pushing versus when someone's just being given money to push it you know and like as long as you care as long as you care that like not like not like as long as you care it makes it not even that it makes it feel better. It's just like, it's just better to me when I can tell that you care about the thing you're trying to give me. Like, even if you're getting paid for it, you know? Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's complicated and strange, but like, it is what it is, you know? Like, that's just like, that's just like where we live now. Like most kids, like, like, like kids, kids want to grow up to be like YouTubers and influencers. And that's like, I honestly think that's pretty cool. Like just kind of just like being molded, molded by the thing and figuring it out the way that we were kind of molded by what we were molded by as, you know, I guess millennials and figuring that out. But like that whole shit is just so, it's just so strange to consider that that's just like the world we live in, you know, like we live in a world of influencers and that's like strange and cool and weird and dumb and it's everything. I don't know. I'm 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 really not trying to play middle of the road here. It's just really strange. <laughs> it's, it's just because then you know I say all that to say that it's times I feel like am I just a Tony Soprano? Am I just trying to upload uphold things that are indeed expired? You know, and that and that goes deeper than just like you know the, the style of music I make or the art I make. I think it's more about just hoping people value certain things the same way because i know i value them a certain way for the for the sake that, that it wasn't like marketed to me it wasn't it wasn't shown to me in a way that was like here you go this is what you're supposed to like like all the things i liked growing up were actually the less sense of confidence the sense of self so then it's interesting when you see all the things that you like, like you're, you're, you're not sure if you want, like you want things to be more popular and you want people to make more money, but all these things also come with an expense of whatever else goes, goes with it when it gets bigger, the things that fall out of your hands, you know, because then you look at, you, you, you look at how everybody wants to be the voice, the influence, the the reference point but what was their access point if everyone had the same access point of instagram and twitter and youtube and like and that it's a good thing because you know people that don't have that incentive to research and you know researching something on the internet to me at least like i feel like all the niche stuff that i like to find and look up and 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 research or whatever i feel like google was worse 
crowded with stuff. YouTube is less crowded with stuff. You can't find YouTube videos from like 10 years ago unless you know the exact account and the link. Like, good yeah. luck searching for anything that might have the same word as something else four months ago. You know, like I know I had, I had friends who were like producers and they had a name that became the name of a TV show and now their SEO goes out the window. And, it, and right. you know, it's like little yeah. things like that will change. <laughs> entire sense of like the trajectory and the way the internet works and the way like you want to market things the way you want to respect the schedule the way you want to release certain formats of art you know who's everything with you know nfts everyone wants to sell you on the NFT thing and whether it's you know you can't fault people for wanting to try to eat and finding different lanes and adapting with the times but you know, it's that tug of war. Like, am I just being old? Am I being stubborn? Are these new things being put in place to help? Not specifically all the things I necessarily just mentioned, but, you know, I also feel like a lot of, like, the position I'm in right now, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff was evolving. It was new. Yeah. So with Instagram, Instagram being a new thing, Twitter being a new thing, Vine being a new thing, everyone who was making music around that time kind of benefited from the new digital phenomenon of the iPhone, the touchscreen phone, the instant video, the Periscope, yeah. the live yeah. access. So now when someone 10 years younger than me, he's in the studio and we're talking about music and he wants to know about, yo, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? How do I find more artists like this? How do I get... And like you try to explain the concept of trying to go do shows to them, but they're coming out of lockdown through their college years for two, three years. And you're, you're telling them, just go pull up the shows. And, and they're like, what the hell is a show? You know, like granted, they know like, oh, right, yeah, when there's a show, I'll try to go pull up. But it's not like the same idea of when I was their age and there was just things going on. I could go on Instagram. Twitter was less popular, but I'll find a show going on because of exposing myself to certain things and stumbling upon certain things. You know, it gets right. It scrambles my head even trying to understand it because then again it's like one thing is adapting with the times the other thing is we were just like compromised of socializing like normal people for two years and that definitely weighed on a lot of people and i think about when i was when i was in 2010 freaking asher roth had i love college college yeah i'm in you know what I'm saying? It's like all these songs, people were encouraged. Everyone was a DJ. People were encouraged to go out and drink and party because all the music was literally saying all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was, people were doing, people were more apt to become into music because they actually liked music. Where now I feel like a lot of people are getting into music on a broader scale because of the opportunity. Things that I, I was yeah. doing with no opportunity in sight because I just are now kind of like you know an opportunity for people and that's you know it's it's a, it's a it's a good thing it's a bad thing you can feel bitter you can feel old you you can feel like you have to adapt you can feel so many ways you can look at it but it's you know it's just general you know yeah no i feel you like it's it's like because like you're right and like you're right and at the same time i think like because like how old are you remind me remind me how old you are i'm 30 Okay, yeah, me too. I'll be 30. I just what you say? 1991. Okay, okay. I'll be 31. Got you. Okay. So like I think we're just at a point now, because like I just turned 30 back in March. So like 
I just think we're at a point now where like we're we're officially in our 30s and we're, we've entered a new decade and we're kind of looking back on where we were at 20 because because like I because like I identify with everything you just said about like finding shows on Twitter and finding find and, and and just like and just like really coming into music like this was like this is something that I've been involved with my entire life you know like this is this has kind of been like it's been in my periphery since I was a child you know so like I um and and like obviously that isn't to say that isn't to say that there aren't plenty of kids who are, I mean, like teenagers and young adults now who like also aren't genuinely into music. I know many, like I know, I know so many people who are younger than us who I can like genuinely tell, like really grew up with this shit and are like invested in the music and in the artists and in the culture. But at the same time, you know, like, it's just like, it's just kind of like looking at what happened with Vine, you know, like Vine, Vine for so many people was an opportunity that they took and spun into something completely different, just in the way that like TikTok is going to be something that people will spin into something completely different. Like it, it's it's just like we're just kind of we're at the point where our OGs were when they were in their thirties, and now they're in their forties. And I imagine that they're probably looking back at us in our thirties the same way we're looking back at people who are in their twenties. You know, like it, it's 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 just like a never-ending cycle, and just kind of like getting in where you fit in. And like figuring out, like, does this work for me? If it doesn't work for me, I'm gonna leave it alone. If it does work for me, how can I use this to my advantage as a way to reach out to as many people as possible? Like, make like even me making this podcast is something that like it took a while for me because I'm not like the biggest podcast person in the world, but I came into this because I had an idea that I really appreciated and was like I really care about these two things and I want to talk to other I want to talk to people who also care about these two things and really whatever it is they care about because we're not even talking about movies right now and I'm enjoying the shit out of this conversation but like it's just like because like more relative, more relative and I'm trying I'm trying my best to keep it relative too no of course you know uh, yeah, yeah I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not more movies to touch on too I made a little list just in case you know Oh, beautiful. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't that was, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That wasn't that wasn't me trying to say that like I'm mad that we're off. Yeah, no, I'm 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 loving this. This is great. Like I'm this is because like this this is why I wanted to do this. Because like I because like because like I feel like you know me well enough to know that I just like to talk. You know, like I just like talking to people and just like figuring things out about people. And like wherever that leads is good to me. And like that's you know, like me, me, me even making a show like this was me trying to be like, like podcasts weren't my thing, but this feels like the best possible route for me to go to be able to like show how much I love these two things. Like, how can I do that in a way that works for me, but is also attractive to other people? You know, like it's, it's, it's like just figuring out where you, where, like where you fit within this world of like, influencers and podcasters and youtubers and tiktokers and you know rappers producers journalists like this whole like little media bubble that we exist in you know <laughs> like that 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 uh that actually just reminds me so 1999 the sopranos the reason why i got excited is because i just realized that was the same year that animal mixtape volume one came out let's go Okay. How cool is that? Just realize that. So 
I was talking to Shane the Dribbling Machine from And One. I went to an And One event in Brooklyn maybe like a month ago. That's hard. It was cool. Like, yeah, like him and Duke Tango were just like standing outside side of the building. So I got to go chill with them, talk to them. And Shane was telling me, I said, I asked him, I'm like, how come And One doesn't tap in with all the YouTube guys now that just kind of go to the parks and film themselves that kind of do their own little personal tours just for the sake of doing it for YouTube. I'm telling them how when and one was the thing that was like the wave everyone from every state every city was going to parks and YMCA's and filming themselves and putting it on YouTube when it was brand new people were using mega upload and media fire telling people yo mm -hmm. this clip I just made and everyone was uh you know, everyone had their little editors. I was on, I was 14. I was on a website. I had a little profile with my name and my age and my, my favorite player. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and I had videos of me just I'm 14 bullshitting, playing bums at the park, like with all these crazy cool edits. And that's, that was my introduction to Sony Vegas, whatever. And he says to me, he's like, they don't, um, cause these guys don't even do those edits like that. They're not trying to do it like skate videos. That was why I liked and one so much. And I feel like that's something that people don't really ever correlate so much was how that and one culture thing was very similar to skate culture thing the whole respect of one dude with a skateboard here's the camera one dude with the basketball here's the camera absolutely so that's a whole that's a whole nother thing though but shane tells me he says that these youtube guys today they say that they don't identify as like street ball players they're not they're not playground basketball players they're just content creators with a college resume or like yeah they're yeah. basketball players, but they don't even want to be known as that and not that there's necessarily any like Oh, I'm not that, but that's just not the time. The time now is like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a YouTube content creator, basketball content creator, and this is this is my content. I go to the parks and I go to the gyms and I crash rec leagues and and I play, and then 200 people show up off the strength of my YouTube following when I'm in Arkansas or whatever, you know. And that's fine. That's fire. And I'd be watching them. I'd be living vicariously through these kids because I'm like, if it was 10 years ago, I probably would have been doing that. Because when I was doing it in high school, everyone was looking at me like, you are ridiculous. What are you doing? You are a clown. Like, this is so dumb. You look so stupid, you know? And now it's like, oh, you're 12 and you can do the slip and slide dribble? You're famous. Go on TikTok right now. We're going to put <laughs> we're going to get you this dribbling coach that knows Wally Zerbiak. You're lit, you know? I, I, it's just it, the, the, the way that, uh, you know, the, the the appreciation of the sport and like the way that a sport was even documented at the time. Did you see the 30 for 30 for and one? I still haven't watched it yet. I've been meaning to. I'm I'm I I've, I've been slipping. Like I I'm going to do that this week, I promise. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. I'm not even going to turn this into an I mean, the and one thing is technically movie, documentary, cinema. It's in that realm. So we can Yeah. We can like talk to me. So like so like why did it break your heart? Like what was it like like what 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 happened there? Because <laughs> you're not the only, you're not the only person I heard say that. So like, talk to me about that. It was I think it was cool, but I think it was just a nostalgia grab for like the moment. And I think that if you weren't around at that time or you're not our age to at least kind of remember it, you know, like it's cool. I'm glad it happened, but like from my perspective and how I know the story should be told and how I would like to one day help tell the story. I feel like they were just missing so many key things and they didn't touch on a lot of key things. And a lot of people say, you know, it was an hour long, you know, it's not easy to fit a lot of these things in an hour, which I get, but I tell people, I talk about these things every day and I get the story off in 15 minutes. <laughs> like, I, I, come on. And I was, I was 11 years old when it was happening. 
So I think that the people that were at least involved one way or another can like better facilitate. Because I was, I feel like these dudes, I don't know, man. To me, Hot Sauce and Allen Iverson, those are like two of the some of the most important people from the turn of the century. I'm so happy you brought up Hot Sauce, bro. Yeah, he was, he was like. If people don't see that, like if they don't look at him today and like they don't, they're never going to understand it. Allen Iverson is just a whole different type of person. But in 2001, 2002, people were saying like, yo, who's better? Hot Sauce or Iverson? Obviously, Allen Iverson is better. But it was like, that's, yeah. how, that's how crazy it was. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like mm-hmm. documentary, when it, when a documentary like that, that's on ESPN, doesn't really like emphasize how and it is is more than just like saying like yeah it was crazy it's 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 like tying certain things together and writing the story around the documentary right like in a way in a like in a way that you could tell the people who were involved really give a shit that's what i was talking about before that's exactly sabathia the cc sabathia pops up the documentary just out of nowhere he's like yeah it was dope i'm like that i'm like (laughs) you know who scoop jackson is yeah had him in it, but I feel like he spoke like maybe three or four times. I don't know. I gotta watch it again. And you know, I don't want to sound like I'm hating because you know I'm I'm the biggest and one fan ever. Uh, I, I'll say that everyone will say that. But when I I watched it, and I was just I was watching the clock. I'm like, damn, we're 20 minutes in. Like they gotta. There's so much more. There's so much more. I feel like they didn't even explain like how ESPN came into the picture. I feel like they didn't explain more about like why they were even being talked about as much as NBA players. Why why they had a segment where all the NBA players were like, yeah, they would have never played in the league. And it was like a whole like two, three minute segment of all the NBA players being like, yeah, these guys could never last in the league. Or whatever. But why is the conversation to where that comparison was even being made? Obviously, they can't be in the NBA, but they were still a global sensation. Yeah, and they were talking about them, you know, like that's... These guys would make close to six figures, if not six figures a summer, you know? And they always talk yeah. about how paid more they should have should have gotten more money but they was just like they were still making solid money to show up and dribble you know right go up in front of a, a crowd of like two three thousand people and just dribble a basketball around you know it didn't last long but to me that that's also it's it's one of those templates of business that i'm like they really did run that run it like a record label they sold that mixtape like an album mm. it was a, it was a mixtape it was about the music too you know, yeah, was, you know, because my whole my whole appreciation for everything, for editing videos and music. Which is basically like what my life is now, what my life depends on now comes from that. So I almost I can I'll, I'll fail to ever start talking about movies and TV and media and all these things and influence without all falling back to that, because for me, that was my starting point. And then, you know, and one comes out and the Internet is new and now I'm researching the music. I'm researching the players' names. I want to find more videos of these dudes doing the tricks. NBA Street is also new. And PS2 Come on, yeah. Playing video games with other people with their headset on is new. You know, yeah. like online gaming with the PS2. And like, you know, yeah. I mean? all these things are new. Like the intricacies of like video game soundtracks is new too. Cause like, you know, like there are so many people, you know, you're like, you know, like whether it's through, I'm sorry to cut you off, whether it's through like and one or like a Def Jam Vendetta or like an NBA street, like, or even like a Tony Hawk, you know, like so many of those games introduce people to not just the music, but to those aspects of the culture that like, they, that, that like really get grounded in you. Like, you know, like in the way that like, and one was your, and one was like your entry point into this like you said you know like that's like 
that's crazy to hear because like you're not the only person who felt that way and like it's crazy and like it's even crazier to think that like definitely like, so i'll be feeling like yo y'all don't see this i'm not crazy I <laughs> you guys remember i can't be the only one that remembers you know Right. You know, you know, like I, I wasn't even like heavy. I wasn't like super heavy into and one like that. But like I was but, but like I experienced it and I knew people who were heavy into it. Like that's like like it was really one of those like you just had to be there moments, you know, and like and like it sounds to me like the documentary is like it sounds to me like it should have been something like the last dance. Right. Like it should have been something where it was like a it's how I feel. I'm like, yo, the way that. And I get it. They wanted to go a certain direction with it because they were trying to emphasize the music and the cultural effect. But I'm like, I'm like, y'all still, y'all still miss some big chunks of the story and just kind of it went non sequitur into like it would be like a commercial and they talk about something all different now. And I'm just, oh Jesus, not nah. deserves like, I don't know. These guys have a lot of stories to tell, and they did some podcasts on the and one page and they all have less than like 10,000 views. They've been up for like four or five months. And I'm like, these guys are, like, <laughs> these guys are telling some stories. Like they're telling some aspects that I've never known. And I'm like, I'm, I'm all in it. So when I learn something new, I'm like, Oh, I know that's new. Cause I didn't know that. I would have heard right. that. You know, I you see the professor was on no jumper and I had to watch that. And the one thing I learned from that was how and one was never part of an ad agency. So their whole, thing was just the relationships that they had formed with Mountain Dew and Lays and whatever else during the time but all their advertising was organic it was like 100% organic it's not like how Nike and Adidas and all these major companies that kind of part of other companies that are associated with other companies and they get these right you know it was like being indie like you was really no manager no PR like everything in-house like they yeah, had all hype it was all hype <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it was really <laughs> that that to me that inspires my whole understanding of how everyone can get together with a common interest with music and just make it happen. If you build it, people show up. Like, it's that simple. And that was one of those things. And I think that also drives my passion to like make everything want to count. And with everything counting, you know, it comes down to the way the pictures are taken, the way the videos are shot, the way it's promoted, the way the album art makes people feel, the way the posters look, other posters actually hanging up on the wall. Uh-huh. When you... There's no better feeling than like, I remember my first time in Virginia when I went to Richmond and I played a show with the Satellite Syndicate and Oblit. My best friend put me onto that show. Man, and shout out to all of them, man. Shout out to all of them, for real. Because a lot of, none of this would be happening if it wasn't for like a lot of the stuff that was going on in Richmond. That's facts. And Hell I, yeah. I'm out there, I've seen the poster in the window. It's just like my name was on it, mad small, mad small next to Oblis, mad small like this. But I was still like, that's fire. The poster's here. You see it. I have one. Like, that's cool. And those are like, when it hangs on a wall somewhere, someone's going to remember it. Someone's going to have a story about it. Now it sustains. Now it becomes part of another thing, you know? And the phone, we have phones and we still poorly document things. People start taking stories. All we have is eight second clips that all disappear. I react shows like yo send me that they're like oh it's, it was on my story before you could just like save the story but now no yeah. one just no one just like takes a video everyone just has like little eight second vignettes i'm guilty of that too yeah <laughs> i'm just remembering when at first i'm like damn we could have these videos but it just like disappears like a mad moments from like eight years ago that were just gone because people just wanted right. to put to their story and so record it because you would have no means to record it unless you had a camera so now you have your phone but now everything is snapchat Oops, there it is. And now it's gone. Poof. 
<laughs> might have never really happened. I was at a show with 180 people and this dude was rapping and it was crazy, but there's no documentation of it. There's no paperwork. Right. And that's why and that's why that's why having people around to tell these stories is so important. That's why it's so important to have. That's why it's so important to platform people like Hot Sauce and to platform people like The Professor who have all these stories that people just like don't because like because like if you weren't there to experience the and one movement like that was like I was saying before it was all hype like they really did it themselves and got the attention of everybody and then it and then it, like it just started like it really didn't last a long time like you said but like it was so potent and it was so like everybody cared you know like it was like a movement that like real like or, or, or like, like real is the wrong word but like it was a movement that like professional ball players attached themselves to nike attached itself to it like all these people from all nike, these places he did like, the nike freestyle commercial that was based on the stomp broadway thing that was funny because now broadway comes back around to the thing see right? <laughs> freestyle not only that it was the neptunes made the boom 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 the neptunes did that the neptune Pharrell had Lauren London in a Nike freestyle ad, and it's it was this thing that had this dude called Stickman, and it was just a stick figure that would pop up and dribble in a commercial. And they had there was this one streetball player named Future, and this other dude named Tricks. <coughs> Excuse me. Tricks was the dude. Um, he was the main dude in the Nike freestyle commercial that was doing a bunch of the tricks. Uh, but they they were both in that commercial with Lauren London and it was a Pharrell song and they had the dude Stickman was dribbling and Lauren London's on the side like it was this was all happening I feel like obviously like Pharrell and Nike and all those things but the street ball sensation these things were on TV presented in such a way because and one influenced that like and one sparked that NBA Street being a video game was like EA Sports catching wind of that the second it was happening it was like yeah we're gonna make a video right I, I don't even know if they knew NBA Street was gonna take off as much as it did. I, I like honestly I don't think they did because like if you look at like because like I was big on the first I, I was big on the first I was big on all the games fuck it but like you go back and look at like the differences between because like NBA Street was like a like, like the first one was like a full-blown like silly arcade game it was really it was really like an extension of like NBA Jam you yeah, know modern Rucker Park NBA Jam everyone's wearing street clothes with the trash talk everyone has their own unique character like right and then and Right. And then and, and then with the second one, the second one, like they really like they took it serious. It looked look, because because like because like you even look at like the character models in the first street versus the second street, like everything's a little more streamlined. The clothes are a little more specific. The brands are a little more specific. You bring um, um, um I think Bobito was already was already the commentator on the first game. They brought him back for the second game. He wasn't he wasn't the one on the first one. They had a character named. Joe. Oh, and Joe, the show is definitely like kind of modeled right. after the Duke Tango image. You know what I'm saying? The dude with right. the sh- who's saying all the funny things courtside. It wasn't. He didn't. He didn't feel like a Harlem commentator for real. Like right. you know, <laughs> still that feeling. But the fact that they had Barbito and see that's also what's crazy about Barbito was like getting older and realizing, oh my God, this is the guy that was very, very crucial to MF Doom's career if not one <laughs> crucial people to MF Doom's career. And then this was just the guy that used to be like, you know, to, and everyone always says, and I always joke with people, I'm like, oh, you got introduced to the reminisce over you because of, uh, you didn't know who Pete Rock was unless it was because of NBA Street. I already knew who it was because I was 
watching MTV for an hour longer than you, so I caught the old school block. Like I was really, hey. I was yeah. just realistically, I got, I knew who Bobito Garcia was because of NBA Street too. Same here, and same thing, and same thing with they were minutes over you for me. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm just a dickhead. I'll just be talking shit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> how how crucial is that? The fact that they put it in a video game as the intro and majority of people our age by default know who Pete Rock is because of that. Even if you're not really a hip hop head or you forgot all the songs we used to like when we were in middle school, high school, like you're still going to know who Pete Rock is because of that. You say yeah. someone, Pete Rock, who's Pete Rock? You go, oh, he sampled that. Okay, you know what I mean? So, and that's just from the effect of the video game. So, you know, there's right. that. I don't think any old heads were hating on, on that at the time. They probably thought it was the greatest thing to be happening. I know my nephew knows like some random Tribe Called Quest song because it was in 2K, like maybe three, four years ago. Right. Show, you just got to show it to them. It's just got to be there. You know, Tony Hawk, how they put the new songs with the old songs. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't really care for it, but I'm like, this is cool because they're going to play the songs that they have a reference point for. And then they're going to stumble across a song from 97 and be like, oh, I like this. This is cool. Right. Yeah. Because that's how it happened for me, you know, and that's how it happened for us. And like that, you know, like that's... um that's something that I still appreciate, like seeing things in like the new Tony Hawk and just like, just really, just really like acknowledging the fact that like some Tony Hawk, I'm, I'm cracked with Tony Hawk. I'm so crazy. Son. Yeah. Nah, like, like I've been, I've been, I've been replaying the one, the one plus two shit for like, 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 I think, I think I've, I think I've run through it like at least a dozen times. Like I could, I could do the whole, I could do both the campaigns and my eyes closed at this we point. Gotta we got We got to play. We got to run it one of these days. We got to get yeah, a, little, now, a split screen. We can make that happen. Nah, I promise we can make that happen. I just unlocked the alien too, like a month ago. Yeah. We can make that happen. <laughs> mm. But all of that is to say, but before we move on, all that is to say that like that all happened because of N one. And then and then I'm not sure if you remember, you remember they made an one game. Of course. They had and they had NBA Street, and then they made NBA Ballers, and then they made yeah. they street, hoops, street Hoops was earlier. NBA Ballers came out at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, even 2K before well, NBA Live 2000 was when they had Michael Jordan come back i remember that and then they had they but you could play him one-on-one -on, -one on the park in the park they started to add the playground mode the playground yeah. mode during all the nba games you know um but all the early 2ks you could play in the street mode you know i'm pretty sure you could unlock i don't know i remember you could unlock players but i don't know if you could unlock street ball players any of them maybe you could later in later games i wouldn't even know but that all that man yeah it's because because they had videos of Skip to My Lou from 1994. Like, and, and they were fortunate enough that not only did they have videos of Skip to My Lou, they also had videos of him playing in one random and one promotional event that they did in 94, and they're all wearing and one t-shirts. So that's the thing, too, is that you see everyone playing in this and one game, but it's actually just so happens to be the part of this archive footage, and they had this one game five years prior to them putting the tape out and signing Skip to My Lou. And they're like, oh, he actually played in this game, too. Look, we got highlights of him. It was almost like, like a lucky coincidence for them. And then you see, like, the shockwave of culture as a whole. The, the one thing I think, too, and now I'm remembering on the N130 for 30, they didn't show you, like, how hot sauce would just dribble. Like, just do that consistent dribble between the legs back and forth, back and forth. For right, like, right. And how that's, that's James Harden's, like, whole drip. 
I'm like, how they not at least show that? <laughs> show that. Just show Hot Sauce doing that and show James Harden doing that. And everyone will be like, oh, I get it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't even really like do that. I don't know if it's because like, oh, we can't use James Harden. He wears Adidas. We didn't get his, we didn't get the waiver signed or whatever. I fe- I think of how many things go into that, oh, which also reminds me because I wanted to ask you, um, I don't even know if it's unrelated about, it was about podcast stuff in general. Like how I saw how Questlove mentioned how there's like shelf podcasts and how it made me realize like the podcast is just a new broadcast. Look, More or less. Microphones and headphones and ready to go and podcasts in general youtubers in general all that stuff it gets a bad rap but there's still a lot of there's still normal people that have access to technology that have something that's gonna facilitate something meaningful you know yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's it's, like this is this is like this to me this is the equivalent of getting a radio interview because realistically what radio interviews really exist it used to be someone like you would probably have been a dj because your interest would be like well i might as well be spinning this music because i'm at parties all the time because of the culture that it may have been and then the dj would be the person that would also conduct the interview because they're personable that would make you a radio personality i don't know do you dj are you nice on the ones and twos or oh man i've never i've never dj i've always wanted to but like that's something i want that's something i like really want to like do at some point but i'm not there yet i'm not there yet i'm not even gonna front yeah, but you know, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. You know, everyone's gonna have their jokes, and I. Everyone always says you should start a podcast. I'm like, I want nothing to do with that until I'm at least like 48 years old and have a, more stories to tell on my own accord. But it, it's not to say that there's other people that can't do something meaningful with it. You know. Right. Yeah. You know. And you know, like like I said before, that's why I'm here. You know. You know, like everybody was just like, oh, like you should start a podcast, and I was like, I don't want to do that unless I have like an idea that like I think would work and would like differentiate it and not just have it be like the millionth, the millionth rip on fucking the Joe Budden podcast. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to do that shit. Like I'm here to, you know, like I'm, I'm not here to talk about the news really. Like we can, but like, it's not like, I don't want that to be like the focus because then you're documenting, you're, you're documenting, you're having real time conversations, but you're documenting and that's critical. Right. You know, like that's yeah. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, like I want this I want this to last beyond like a single moment. I don't want it to just like be tied to a moment that people won't care about 20 years from now. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like this is like or, you know, like I don't want I don't want to make myself sound too important. I'm just a person like but, but, but you, top, you top 10 percent on whatever website I saw the podcast thing. I don't know. I looked at your podcast and it was like this podcast is in the top 10 percent of listeners on this website. What the fuck? <laughs> that's news to me. <laughs> crazy, you didn't even know. That's that's news to me. I mean, like I knew people like listen, but not like. Hey, thank y'all, man. You know, like I'd be I'd be nothing without the people listening. So thank y'all. Like that means the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, <laughs> god damn. Um. So wow, we've already been going for an hour. This is already like this is this is not where I expected it to go at all. But I love it. But. <laughs> And I love it. I love it when stuff like this happens. So, like, let me stop talking. Um, you said you came to me with, um, you said you came to me with a list of movies that you put together. And I'm curious, since like, since you're not really a person who's like big on movies or going to the movies like that, I won't ask you the usual questions that I ask to everyone. But like, but like, I get because I'm still like, I still, you know, I still like movies. 
I'm just like I act I act like a movie snob, but I don't watch enough movies to act like a movie snob. But I'll look at I'll see something that's like an excerpt of a film and I'll be like, this is amazing. What is this? 1977 South Korea. I'm watching this at some point. Never watch it. But I screen recorded it or I saved the video and I have mood boards and I like to collect ideas and camera angles and still rightfully research things and do all these things and learn about the history of all the ins and outs of certain film stuff, but I don't watch right. them. You know? <laughs> so um, film posers united. What up? <laughs> so, so what was the first one of those? Like, what was the first movie that made you that, that you saw a bit of and sent you to that rabbit hole? Uh, you know, La Vite Bella, Life is Beautiful. With, um, I don't know if this is how you say his name, Roberto Benigni, Roberto Benigni, whatever. Yeah. So I, I had actually, I seen the movie Johnny Stacchino when I was younger. My parents were watching it. And that was kind of my first experience with a foreign film that wasn't Greek. So it was like just hearing the Italian language and reading the subtitles. And it was a bunch of like silly, not slapstick, but it was just like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like seven, but I was, I thought it was amusing. And then I saw Life is Beautiful and it like made me cry as a child. So to me, I was like, wow, this guy right here made me laugh and made me cry with two films. And I'm like, not even 10 years old yet. I don't really have fully developed emotions. And these are, I'm pretty sure these are video uh, movies uh, made for adults. So that always stuck with me. And the older I got, I would went back and rewatched it and just made me appreciate it. So I kind of, from a young age, I had an appreciation for just watching movies with subtitles. Cause I guess yeah. I, I was fortunate that I was able to read fast. You know, shout out to my mom, that's an English teacher. So I was just like exposed to a higher reading level, I guess, at a younger age. Right. Always corrected me when, when I spoke incorrectly or used words wrong, you know, drove me crazy, but I'm thankful for that. Um, right. But, you know, that gave me an appreciation to just be, you know, receptive to things like that. And then, you know, even being older and like getting back into anime for a little bit and just being just like liking, like, oh, I can just read the subtitles and just look. And I don't really know what they're saying, but I know what they're saying. But I know this might not be the translation because of, uh, you know, literal language barriers and whatnot. But mm -hmm. that was that was one. So that's just at least like how from a young age, I feel like I was like, oh, OK, yeah, these are different movies. This isn't like freaking whatever movie all, everyone's talking about. I watch something random. I like Yo, that. Like my, life is my hobby right here. This is my interest right here. Like I like stuff like the <laughs> original hipster. Yeah. And life is beautiful. Life is beautiful is a rough ass movie too. Like I saw, I, I I didn't see it for the first time until high school. Like my like, like a high school teacher showed that to me in like a history class. I think it was um oh I think it might I, I think I'm, I think it might have been either my freshman or sophomore year. I can't remember which one. But like just uh, just the fact that he turned the he, the fact that he turned their entire experience into like a hide and seek game and like the last scene when he like does the little walk yo nah and, and, and I, I don't want to spoil it but anybody who hasn't seen don't spoil it and don't put me through it again I, I, I won't I won't <laughs> oh my yeah that shit fucked me up all day like like, like, like I'll never forget the first time seeing that because I was just like like movies that affected me like that before but I was like what what like you know just really just really really have you watched uh the education of sonny carson no i haven't that was another movie that i had watched obviously by way of uh ghostface because that was what ghostface sampled like throughout iron man that's what the skits are from right and 
that inclined me to want to go watch it. And it didn't, it didn't uh, entice me the same way that like, uh, you know, paid in full did at the time. Cause it wasn't, right. it just didn't have the same um, Pavlovian devices happening in the film. It wasn't like a traditional movie. Then I was older and watched it. And that movie hit me. I think like two years ago, I watched it. That movie hit me like the same time when I first watched Life is Beautiful. I was I'm like tears just running down my face. I was just like, like it, cause I hadn't watched it since I was like 15. And it just, I didn't stay engaged by it. It was like, the quality was weird. I was like, there's no, everything. It just, it's just the way it was shot. But then watching when I was older, I was like, this is, this is amazing. It's like the way it's shot, the way it's probably mostly improv and not scripted. Like, and you know, you've seen, you've seen City of God, right? Of course. of course I have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, the whole yeah. Story with city of God, like how none of those people were actors. They were all just casted for like, basically like just an idea for an indie film and everyone got paid at most like, you know, a couple bands up front and even only like maybe four people actually got paid, got paid anything up front. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just, and like, and like, that's what makes, that's what makes city of God such a like city, like so many people I talk to, like, like, like City of God is like that one movie that everybody considers an art film, but like everybody I know loves City of God. It doesn't matter if like you're if you're the most like seasoned film expert, if you're like a casual, like everyone who watches City of God is like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. You know, and like I think so much of that has to do with like how, you know, just like I feel like authentic is like an exploitative word in this context, but like it's just very it's you know, it like is that it's it's one of the f- the first of its kind to be that popular where i think that story is told around it you know there's obviously yeah. other films where it's like you know there was a plot but that that's a movie that you watch it and when you're told like yeah these people are not actors and they like this was all just kind of done like they winged it and this is how it came out you're kind of just like why like of that level there's a reason it's that popular for a reason you know yeah like i'm, I'm always really fascinated when movies that are that are like of that sensibility kind of like break and really just affect everyone you know like it's not it's not just like the film student in your life like begging you to go watch it it's like it's like it's like your homie from up the block like bro i just watched city of god like you need to come watch this shit like that's crazy to me like you mentioned your history teacher put you onto a movie i had a i had a teacher in high school actually i got to take an elective class that was creative writing and for half of that class we just watched movies and would like write about the movie and she put us onto a memento Ooh. It's another like, you know, entry level film nerd movie, but also like a classic in its own right. And that was just, you know, one of those things, how to tell a story, how to how to set up those devices in a way like The Sopranos, where you can like I had to read something that told me I didn't figure it out the first few times I watched it. I was still just kind of like, this movie's crazy. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. You see what's going on. <laughs> I read they were like, oh, this is happening forward. This is happening backward. This is happening before. This is happening after. Look at his tattoos. Pay attention to the... D- and I'm like, oh, people actually care about all the little things that draw to a bigger thing. Right. You, know, you see something done on that level and then you start to understand. You know, Buffalo 66. He put us onto that movie too. You had a teacher in the class to point out, like, look, that's why he did that, because he has an ego. That's why this is happening, because she's this. Look at this happening. That's why that's blue. Maybe. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Fortunate enough to have had a teacher that was, like, cool about it like that. She also claims that she was pen pals with the game. (laughs) Shout out Mrs. Turner. I remember being like, what are you talking about? 
and she came into class one day. She was like, you guys know rapper the game? I'm the only one in the class, you know? I'm just like, yeah. She's like, yeah, we've been emailing. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Did she show you the emails? Like, ah, She was like, you don't need to see that. It's just like, oh, six. I'm just like, what? And the game is just so strange that like at this point, I absolutely believe it, that he was pen pals with a random English teacher for whatever reason. Shout, shout, shout out to her, bro. She was fire. She put us on to a lot of cool movies. She she taught me writing techniques that I still feel like bounce around in the back of my head when I still write rhymes. She taught us to not, um, don't use, uh, what's it called? Don't use cliches. She would be like, avoid cliches. That always rings off in the back of my mind. But I also feel like with a lot of my favorite writers, you know, Sean Price and MF Doom come to mind. They... They utilize cliches in a way that it was, it's just like, even if you saw it coming, you might've not seen it coming, but even if you did, it, it's still, it's just like, Ooh, that was hard. You know, the whole, like, you know, you shouldn't say that in a poem because someone has already said that. And I think that's something that it's live, laugh, love. Like that was what she was trying to get us off of. Like, don't write, live, laugh, love. Don't right. end the story with, it was all a dream like no give it meaning give it purpose give it an ending you know little stuff right and i think and i think like i think the reason that people like sean price and doom were so special was because like there are so many people who were like subvert a cliche but they like leaned into it in like a knowing way like they didn't they didn't like go out of their way to like deconstruct it they just like they, they lampshaded it you know like you, you know like price price and doom in particular were just like they were huge on just like lampshading. You knew you knew the line was gonna end with like a Megilla Gorilla reference. You knew the line was gonna end with like some sort of nursery rhyme that you'd heard a million times before. But just like they made it sound so nice, and like and it was all just about the performance and the delivery. And like like the two of them, the reason that I fell in love with Price and Doom is like they really taught me like not even just as like rappers, but like as writers. It's not it's not about what you say but it's about how you say it like that like they reinforced that for me i don't know like <laughs> i'm just thinking mad sean price and doom bars are just flying through my head <laughs> all black like miss mary mac and it's like that's it's right in front of you but it's like I forgot <laughs> a scary yak all black like miss mary mac, mary mac yeah that's even that's kind of like slightly reconstructed because there's other ones that's kind of like verbatim nursery rhyme so like everyone does the Doritos, Fritos, Cheetos joke with MF Doom. Yeah. Uh, like in the obviously he has that one bar where he literally says that, but in the vein of those things, like I can't even think of one off the top of my head right now, too. Yeah, the one the one that I'm thinking of is when he's uh, he literally says patty cake, patty cake in the middle of Figaro. Like, you know, like isn't like that, that type of shit. Isn't that the same song too? Yeah, it is the same song. Yeah, song. yeah, it is. But you know, like that's like that's what makes that so interesting. You know, like they just like lean into it in a way that just sounds nice. Like they just really like that, you know, they're just like, if you're going to do it, like do it and don't hide it, you know, like do it and like commit to it and like really be like, you know, you know, like you won't beat my ass. Like, yes, I just, yes, I just said Miss Mary Mack in a rhyme. You're not going to beat my ass though. Like. <laughs> that shit is real. <laughs> um so like so like as you get older and you kind of have um you kind of have these experiences with like with like film and music like who like who were some other people that you really 
who are some other people that you were listening to at that point? And like, who was like, who really, who really grabbed you in the way that like something that like, well, maybe not in the same way that life is beautiful grabbed you. Cause I think that's like a specific kind of grab, but like what music was really speaking to you in a way that wasn't like marketed to you? Like what was the stuff that you were finding on your own that you were really connecting with? Well, I can't, I can't say that this was on my own, but you know, I was the kid that their parents didn't let them buy the rated T15 game. Like I didn't get Tony Hawk when I was seven years old. Cause they're like, right. You're seven, you're not 13, you're not getting it, you're getting this. So I get the game that's rated E, it's called Grind Session, but the soundtrack on there was crazy and they had Dr. Octagon. So, so I'm so I'm eight years old, I got I got, I got whatever CD, I got now seven, I got like something, I don't know, I stole my sister's NSYNC CD just to have something, I had like my own little mix CDs, whatever. Right. I'm listening to Dr. Octagon, because it was just like, at first it made me feel uncomfortable. I was like, this is weird. And then I, the more I heard it in the game when I was skating, I'm like, nah, I like this. And I'm downloading it because uh, LimeWire, putting it on a CD. All that, just to bring it to school and listen to it. I had so many CDs in my backpack. Half of them had the same songs on them. Wow. So I'd be like, nah, I got to burn the same disc but add these three songs. And I, I'm keeping these six songs on it. I remember one, I burned the CD. I just put P-I-M-P by 50 Cent on it like 13 times. <laughs> See, I probably still have it somewhere. Like it's the whole CD. It's just fifty cent. I have so many burnt discs. I have, man. I need to find those because the songs that I probably forgot existed, or the random. There used to be dudes on LimeWire that like. I remember downloading random like ludicrous songs, or like like when disturbing the peace was a thing. I was downloading like all that stuff. Yeah. It's just one rapper that just had verses in the middle of these songs. It was a random dude, random guy. I don't even remember his. I would plug him if I remembered his name off the top. But <laughs> <laughs> so funny to think, because that happens a lot now. Like, oh, when an album used to get up on like SoundCloud, and then like people would have like I remember like a Young Thug mixtape, but then every three songs was like a random dude song was plugged because they try to get you to hear it. I was like, yeah. I'm listening to listening to i20 and then there's just some whole random verse from some random guy in the middle because i can't find the version without him on it because it was i guess at the time when like i don't know dmca stuff right spotify has before spotify has (laughs) shit is so funny yeah Hmm. yo my sponsored ads on instagram are so crazy i actually i'm gonna send you like the ones i (laughs) there was a point where every single one i would send to like three of my friends like the sponsored ads I were getting was so crazy. They were really at a certain point. At first, it was like the turn of the year. You know how they change it for Instagram, turn of the year. Now you're getting all these sponsored ads out of nowhere. Yeah. So they had me figured out, man. I was in, I was, I was losing it. I was becoming fans of people. Like I was really, it was hilarious. I laughed. I cried. Like I saw a lot of beautiful things. I saw horrible things. Like I didn't, I didn't look at anything from people I follow for like all of January. Anytime I looked at Instagram, I looked through my stories. You know, just be sponsored ads of random people. But I'd be like, yo, look at this. Yo, look at this. I'm sending it. <laughs> Those people got their money worth. God damn. <laughs> like, yeah, like the way the way the, the, the way the algorithm has completely infiltrated our lives can be kind of scary, but also kind of funny. But even 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 if it's funny in a way to just like comfort you because it's also scary type shit. But <laughs> I was just getting random stuff. Like it was just it's so random. I gotta send it to you for you to understand. It was so Yeah, random. please. 
Yo. Um, <laughs> so like, so, no, so normally this would be the point where I ask you, like, was there ever a moment where you consciously linked film and music together in your head? But we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about and one. And I feel like that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of your answer. Yes. Uh, Prince Paul and um, M.O.P. You know, I definitely became a big fan of theirs from a young age because Prince Paul's production was kind of all over those and one tapes. M.O.P. had a few songs on there. Uh, even like Common and Sadat X, you know, that 1999 song still, that was the first song on the Animal Mixtape Volume 1. And then that's cool too because Harold Hunter's in that video. Yep. By way of skateboarding fame. And that's literally a connection right there in a strange way, but it's there, you know? Because even, you know, you go, you go watch the old Zoo York tapes and it's clips of people skating. You see like Method Man freestyling in the radio, in the radio station, like feels feels a lot like an and one tape in a way, you know? Like yeah. the way that they were originally marketing and one, you know. So yeah, I I, I definitely that was definitely the starting point because you know, I, I got hip to raucous records and loud records from a young age. I understood like most deaf, you know, reflection eternal, high tech, top quality, like getting into stuff like that. And then the internet age is developing. Ninth Wonder is like the producer to hear. I was like, I'd be acting like an old head in the studio. I'm telling everyone, I'm like, Ninth Wonder is the reason everyone makes beats on a computer, like joking, but also <laughs> it has too, because he was the first guy we all knew to make studio quality rap albums that people were sh really showing up for. And it was like, right. Making all these beats on his computer. I would I would I would say he's the reason anybody knows what Fruity Loops is. Like he like like he made Fruity Loops Fruity Loops. Like yeah. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable saying that. For sure. And that opened up kind of everything we have now with the whole concept of like the standards is you show up to a studio and there's a computer with a few DAWs, Pro Tools, Ableton, Logic, whatever. And people still say Fruity Loops is still has some of the best sound out of all of them, like comparable yeah. to that of Pro Tools, they say. So they say, and that's fire. I remember I had, yeah. I had Fruity Loops for a little bit when I was 15, 14 years old. I had the trial and made some garbage and just thought it wasn't for me. And I thought that was cool. And then that was actually Rob Chambers. Rob Chambers is the one that sent me the demo. And he kind of, he started from around that point and just, he was nice off the rip and just didn't give it up. Yeah. I was I was like, yeah, no. Nah. Okay. <laughs> I remember the beat, the beat I made, he said, uh, I remember I sent it to him and he just laughed. He was like, this sounds like Blastoise's funeral. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Not Blastoise's funeral. What the fuck? <laughs> Shit. Um, so talk. So, so yeah, like, well, first of all, I didn't, so I didn't realize, I didn't realize that Rob was your cousin. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, cousins, cousins through relation of, marriage other relatives we're cousins we're at each right. other we're at e each other's houses or our uh, mutual cousin cousins houses for holidays growing up we grew up playing basketball together we've known each other since we was like at least five six years old you know so. right but like so you see like so like when so like a when did y'all decide that like you wanted to make music to well like like not together but like what but 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 like coming up 
like when did y'all both realize that music was a thing you wanted to do that wasn't just like a hobby you know like when did you know that it was like oh like it's time to like do this like i'm about this uh, i'd say around 2012 2013 he was living in dc at the time and he was he kept doing this thing with the production and djing um I was in Long Island and my friends were rapping. They were doing shows. I got into DJing. I already knew how to use Photoshop. I used to make show flyers. I would make logos. And then just, you know, doing what I could. I wasn't going crazy, but I was doing what I could. I knew how to use a camera. I wanted to do videos at the time. And then I felt like I had a knack for DJing. And by way of DJing, I got into making beats. I had a desire to even keep DJing and making beats because I was around rappers that were doing their thing. One thing leads to another. I'm making beats. I start rapping because I already have confidence on stage. I'm linking Thaniel. That's Rob Chambers. I'm linking him in uh in DC. He's making beats. He was doing like like house music and like footwork, drum and bass, and like EDM stuff. And when I was coming around him, you know, I was showing him beats that like my friends were on or whatever, and like just like sampling. And he got back into the sampling crazy and then we just didn't look back it was kind of like you know we were we were always doing it as a hobby we were going to school we had jobs we were trying to do things with our lives but the hobby sustained we started getting booked for shows because we was just putting it out there people liked the art people liked the idea and we just we just kept with it we were always we were we were always around it one way or another but you know we per, we persisted long enough to where the people that we felt like we were just kind of uh, riding with maybe didn't uh, persist with it or just went other ways with it. And that gave us the liberty to kind of use what we learned and do our own thing with it. And, you know, we started linking with everyone in Richmond. We met Hannah Levin and Young Morpheus in 2015, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Met Uncle John 2015, Sir EU 2015. 2015 was like, that's when I really met everyone. Yeah, that sounds like the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really the year. 2015 was really the year that I met everyone. Like, I met everyone from Richmond that year. I met Fly Anakin that year. Yep. God damn. Like, and 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 just like to see to see where all of y'all are seven years later, like between you and Rob and Ankh and and Anakin and just like the whole obviously the whole goddamn mutant academy is all over the place right now just like that growth has been crazy you know and just and and and, and just like the profile that y'all have on you is just I think mean, obviously I think it's well deserved but it's like I, I don't know it's just it's just it just makes me happy to see something that started seven years ago just like manifest in like 80,000 different ways for 80,000 different we people. We did wild shows for free. Man, you know like I mean? wild shows for free. Not even I that. It, it. We didn't even have like, we were happy to play those shows for free. And it's not like we feel like we're owed money, but it's like we really did a lot. Slept on floors and couches going back and forth from New York to Virginia to DC to Philly and doing shows. We all went out to LA at a certain point. Like now everything's clicking from there. Like we just kept doing it. Because at a certain point, after a while, you do so many shows for free that people are willing to pay you because they're like, oh, we could do bigger, better things. One thing. Right. You know, now we're doing the shows ourselves, getting, you know, the payouts that we had to fight for and still not get. You know, so 
it's only up for everyone if you just if you just keep going. Yeah, man. Like that that's just like that's that's incredibly inspiring to me. <laughs> and just like just because like you deserve it, you know, like you worked for it and it shouldn't have to get to a like not, not to say that it shouldn't have to get to a point where you gotta do it yourself, but like you did it yourself and you're here, like especially you, because like you know, like I mean, like I mean, like most people, most people within like y'all's friend group, like most everybody raps and produces for themselves and for other people. But like for you specifically, like I'm always really, I'm always really curious about like rapper producers because like I feel like y'all just like see the world and see this music shit different than someone who just does one or the other. So like for you, like how do you how do you feel that producing has affected the way that you rap? And do you feel like there's a big difference between producing for yourself and producing for somebody else? From when I started producing, I always had an idea of how I would flow on things. I was very Mad Lib inspired. I love the idea of how he would just, he'd give you a project with a bunch of beats and he'll just randomly kick a flow like 10 tracks in, you know? I always liked that, being like the silent killer rapper. I'm in the, I'm in the back with the, weird, with the weird internal rhyme scheme. I'm not scaring the hoes, but you kind of don't know what just happened kind of thing. I was real smooth with it, but I'm still nerdy. Like that was like my kind of whole beginning. So even just making a beat, if I could catch a flow, I was like, cool. It's an idea. I want to have a million ideas until, you know, something's got to be good. I'm so particular. I'm such a, I'm such a big fan. I'm, I'm so unimpressed. I'm so snobby. Let me try, you know, all the shit I used to talk about, the things I didn't like. I'm like, it's really meaningless till I, till I actually do it. And luckily I had the people, the people around me that were actively doing it, pressuring me to do it. Not just because they were like, man, let me see you try. But it's like, it's just someone else who's, whose opinion is just as valid as mine because neither of us do shit. But one of those people around me that make beats, that can show me samplers, I can put a guitar in my hands, put, give me a, show me a drum set and sit down and just be like, yo, just do it. And, you know, you learn, you kind of you can do it. You can do it on the level that you were thinking at, you know, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of music snobs out there that they know they can't do it. You know, but then once I started doing it, that allowed me to become a bigger fan. That allowed me to actually like, I don't want to say not dislike any music, but I could I could see everything for what it is now and just appreciate it. Not have to be like, man, this shit, this is sucks. Like I was miserable when I was 19. We just be, yeah, this sucks. This, <laughs> sucks. this shit sucks. You suck. This guy, like what? Like for what? You know? Now, if yeah. someone like someone can be like bad, like everyone in the room will be like, bro, this is bad. I'm sitting here like, nah, but you know what, man? He's trying. Cool. I'm actually over here like it's actually pretty good. And everyone's like, you're crazy. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 like, nah, I don't know. I just kind of like everyone's got it. Everyone's going to try to get this. Yeah. You know, like like something like, you know, like something has to be like really offensive in some way to me, for me to be like, this is fucking garbage, you know? Like, but I'm like, oh, every time, <laughs> I can't, I just can't with him, I'm sorry, this is not good, you know what I mean? But even yeah. then, man, I have no problem. Yeah, you know. Trying to trying to make music, even, you know, people will come to me and be like, oh, this guy copied you. He copied me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I probably copied someone else, I don't know. People are gonna come to me like, hey, you copied this guy. And I'm like, Oh shit! Dude. I don't know. I'm by myself, making music. You know, like you said, I'm making beats. If I'm making beats for other people, I'm making beats for me. I feel like I just, I used to make beats. That I feel like this is me. This is weird. And I'd be like, oh, okay, this is a little more simple. My man's can get on this. But now I just feel like 
I like challenging myself on a level of production in general. Just, you know, engineering. And then I'll go through kicks where it's just writing. You know, I feel like when my head is clear enough to actually gather my thoughts and actually cohesively articulate certain things, I give myself the space for that. But then there's right. other, it just hits me because I have the flow is embedded. So when I hear a certain beat, I just know exactly what should be said or how it should be said. And it just comes through. And that's from just any opportunity I get. If I can loop some stuff or I can just work on a drum or something, I just do it. You know, I don't really work as much on like dedicated time when I'm freely creating. I just kind of let things happen. But then I know when I'm in a swing of things, a certain amount of time goes by and I'm like, oh, it's coming together now. I got to focus. But that. Right. All that coming together just comes from giving myself the liberty to work freely and be inspired and not feel super anchored to one thing, you know? Right. And, you know, like, that's, like, to me, to me, that comes through on everything that I've heard you do. But, like, my own two hands is something, is something, like, really, like, that almost, that almost feels like the theme of the project, low-key, because, like, because, like, because, like, looking at it, like, literally, like you made the shit with your own two hands, you produced, mixed and mastered and wrapped the whole thing yourself. Like that's, that's one part, but like, but like my own two hands, like one of the things I love about you as a writer is that like, you're like, you tell, you tell so many little like small stories that can almost feel like non sequiturs, but they all just kind of like, it's just like, I want to talk about these four or five or six ideas and kind of like flesh them out a little bit. But like my own two hands is like, it almost feels like you're kind of looking at yourself and like some, and like things that you've done with your own two hands and kind of like pouring over those a little more than you might usually. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just like looking for that and maybe I'm overthinking it a bit, but like, that's what I get listening to my own two hands. So like making, so, 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 so like when you were making these songs and putting them together the way you did, like what, what did you want to say with my own two hands? I'm sorry if I just like completely overthought everything. No, it's it's pretty you pretty you you you, in, you encompass it pretty well. But I had uh, come up with the idea of the album name after making the songs and choosing what songs to put together. I I had a couple different titles for it, but listening back to it and hearing what I was saying led me to just be like, you know what? This is that project that I'm giving people that's really my own entire production, top to bottom, left to right. Just go with it. Did anyone use this? Yeah, some some weird band like 25 years ago. All right, cool. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Yeah. So simple. I liked how it looked, the MO2H. You know, I was just working on a cover at the time, just working on graphic art. See, same thing with the graphic art. I was just messing with an idea and I did it and I was like, oh. Let me tweak that, sit with it, sat with the music, sat with the cover, had one idea, nah, had another idea, nah, had a few things in place, switched them out, you know, the process, but, you know, all, all, all by myself with my own chaos. And then also with, with a good friend of my, uh, good help from my friend, Nate, who uh, taught me how to mix and master shout out to BMC. Hey. Yeah. But you know, it's just. I did all those Zen Griffey's any Hardaway, Zenis Rodman. Yeah. 
You did four Zenith Rodmans. Don't 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 forget that. Like <laughs> it's one. It's just Spotify was hating. They didn't want me to have a ninety-one track album. They said no. Nah, you got four parts. It's okay. I said all right, whatever. Okay. But, but when I do the CDs, the CDs will also be like that too. Yeah. I did all that. That was like my mixtape runs. Zenithin was like, I had recorded that in the crib, but mixed that in the studio. And then all of my own two hands was produced and recorded in the studio. So that's cool, like studio album or whatever, you know? And yeah. But I already see it as like, you know, it was short. I had my laptop stolen and my hard drive stolen. I got all, you know, all my music goes gone, but I locked in still. Right. All that, stuff, all that stuff was new. You know, all that stuff was new. Yeah, I saw you. Oh, sorry. It was all it was all after the fact, you know, I just ran with it. Like, you know what? I never really do impulse drops. It kind of felt like an impulse drop, but that's cool. You had desperate an, times, man. Had an idea and I ran for it. Hey, damn, desperate. I mean shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe not desperate. Just as a just just as a figure of speech. I'm sorry. Right there. It's like, yeah, man, you gotta get desperate and just fucking I don't know, drop a mixtape or something, dude. Whatever. <laughs> My fault. That's not that that's not what I meant. <laughs> But 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 now I was gonna I mean I was gonna say I saw you I saw you like two days years since I dropped too so you know for me too I was kind of like you know what I can I wanted to give myself two three years but even that's a luxury to be able to take two three years between a drop like I would like to you know totally yeah I saw you I saw you like two days before you got all your shit stolen or or no 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 it wasn't even it was like I think it might have been like a day before that happened. Probably like, and yeah, like just like right after it happened, I I think I might have even just like hit you or something. It's been like, I'm so sorry. You know, like, that's just like to like have all your shit just get taken like that. Just the shit hurts. I've, I've, I've been there. It hurts. It hurts. And you know, it's all about the sentimental aspect about it. But when I'm on a grind, the only thing that mattered to me was like, wow, I lost all my work. You know, I, I could figure it out, this and that. But like when you lose, when you lose all your work, I felt like I was starting from scratch. It felt it felt good, but it also felt horrible. But knowing that I could still make hundreds of beats in a span of a few months, and I can confidently feel like it's some of the best stuff I've done. Right. Can't really like fault the path. You know, within like. For 20 minutes, I was devastated. And then I remember just sitting in the car and being like, man, this is just how it was written. And then I dropped. I wouldn't have dropped. I wouldn't have dropped this if I still had that. You know what I mean? So that's kind right. of like, I lost a bunch of music. All right. Well, I'm about to make some music. Yeah. And, and I like. Got, I got two more coming. I got a project coming out with Young Morpheus that I produced. Yeah. Project with Starker coming out that I produced. Hey. Got a project with Monday Night coming out. I produced. Uh. Me and Fly Anakin been working. Me and Nicholas have been working. Plug, plug, plug. And there's more than that. Woo. You know? Shut I, I got I got more too. Like I'm it's time. Hell yeah. Now is like when I actually choose to kind of like just relentlessly drop because I can. Who knows? Right. And you know, like that shows you, be, you know like Zumo, me and Zumo, me and Animos too. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, 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 yeah. You were telling, yeah, you were telling me about the animal shit. Shout out, shout out to animals. That shit is amazing. But yeah, you know, 
the plug, the plug part. And I actually, uh, actually, I might gotta be out of here. So I'm gonna have to wrap this up in the next like five minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, I got, so, so I got one more question in that case. And there was one thing I wanted to, oh yeah, point I wanted to make. So you, you doing all of that, like after you lost all your shit, like that really just shows like, you, you, you know, you know, like you're not your art, like your art is you, if right. that makes sense. You know, like you kind of, you, you kind of came out. One of those things, it was, it was, I surrendered myself to those circumstances, but at the same time to the, to the aspect of the fact that whatever I had already made, I, I, I will continue to make, if not better. And I'll still, everything will find its way. The internet has files. People have my music. I found a folder of stuff on my mom's computer. I was like, word. Hey. <laughs> I was just even here. I don't even know. I didn't ask questions. I was like, word, I got this. We out, like, something. Some of my first beats, too. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, I got my nonsense reason beats from 2013 now. Ah. See, like, and you know, and you know, like, that's like, so, so like, so like, at least you have that. But at the same time, it's just like, it, it, it's just like you're you and you're going to keep making the music no matter what type shit. And like, that's, that's something that, that's something to kind of like take pride in. I don't know. Like that's, that's, that's cool to me. I appreciate it. Yeah. To me, at, when this is all said and done, when I release, when I work, when I do my things, I do the video, I do the graphics, I do the merch, I do a little pop-up, I, I, you know, do the music video, all these things on my own accord and my own direction and my own facilitation. I don't ever really look at it and say, yo, this is crazy. To me, I'm just like, all right, I did all these things, but I, I could be doing them all better. Once I do them, I'm like, okay, this is what I did with what I could, but how am I still going to do all these things better? Like a lot of people, I, I'm thankfully I have people around me that are proud of me. They're like, yo, man, you killed it, bro. This is crazy, bro. This is fire, bro. Now you're doing your thing, man. Don't beat yourself. But for me, when it, I'm not sure most people can relate. Once I do all that, I already know I'm like, well, I did this already and this is executed and I know what I'm about to keep doing. But I'm still thinking like two, three years ahead where I'm going to put my life at because I got to live, I got to eat, I got to do all these things and yeah. what, what, where the art is going to lead me and then what I can do in the present time with when I have a decision and when I have the time to say, okay, I have time. Can I make music right now? I, I am going to go do that right now. And then whatever else. Wearing the business hat, Wearing the musician hat, you know, weighs on me. And I've been, I, f I feel like a broken record sometimes because I've been talking about it for years, but that's never going to change. It's only going to, it's only going to get harder. You know what I mean? Even, even if I'm, even if I'm making, you know, seven figures by myself, that doesn't yeah. sound easy. Yeah, you know, that more money, more problem shit is real you know, cliches and shit, but you know, it's, it's cliche. Things become cliches for a reason, you know, because, because they're real. The art <laughs> life imitates movies. How you, you ever think about that? Like how much of our behavior comes from movies? Yeah. All the time, bro. That, all, yeah. <laughs> a certain way. And we all move a certain way and we all think a certain way. And we all have frames of references of certain things because of like how they decided to start displaying it. Yeah, and it's as simple as just watching a movie from the 50s and being like, look at how they spoke. And then look at the 70s, look at how people spoke and then look at the 90s and so on. Yeah. Crazy. Culturally, how people spoke and then how movies led for people to just use more words. Like the whole Google search, like when did words start being used more? Right. Like etymology and all. Yeah, bro. That's that's like and just like even even something as simple as like I process memories like the way like like my memories play out like movies, you know, like there's like shot reverse shot. 
And like, there's like certain like lighting and camera angles that weren't, you know, like it's like, you just like create movies and like, like, like memories are just movies that we make in our heads. Like that's, yeah, that shit is just, yeah. Like, I don't have answers for it, but like that shit is real. Um, and before we wrap this up, one quick, 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 quick question. If your life was a movie, what would it be about? That's such a crazy question. It's like a trick question on accident. <laughs> Just saying, what would it be about? But if it was a movie, but it's my life. But the movie's not about my life, though. It's not just like my my biopic, right? It's like nah, it can be if you want it to be. But (laughs) I just feel like that's like the simple answer. Like, am I supposed to make a pick a movie that already exists? And it's like, I don't know. You were about to just say pick a movie, and the first thing that came to my mind was Killer Season, but that's not really what my life is. So, but if I had to pick a movie for any reason, it would always be Killer Season. Always. Life. I don't know, man. Freaking Space Jam. Because I always wanted to know, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to know, I'm like, yo, where are the Rugrats at? Like, where's that? When, where do you, like, cross that line and you walk and you're in, like, cartoon world and there's all the cartoons at? And I feel like because of Space Jam, I feel like I had that, like, concept of, like, there's a portal where you can access the animated world and everything you animate is sent to you. I used to be so afraid of mannequins. I'm like, now nah, you're looking at me like Toy Story type shit. Like, yeah, I used to be so scared. So, yeah, Space Jam. If my life was a movie, it's definitely Space Jam. Yeah, I like that because it's like you're very curious. Oh, and I should be playing basketball. And it's like, what's going on, man? I should be doing other things. And then Bugs Bunny pulls me through a golf hole and now I'm fighting aliens. That sounds about right. Yeah. You know, like Bill Murray's there. Yeah. No, nah, that, that, that's. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I live, man. Yo, Zen, thank you so much, man. This, 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 this went a thousand different directions I didn't expect it to, but like, thank you. Like, this was this was so great. Like, <laughs> man, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's normally you. You got a pretty standard conversation out of me. It normally goes all types of ways. And so far, I've done a few recorded interviews, but everyone has told me like towards the end of it, they're like, "All right, this was not what I was expecting, but wow." So I don't know. That's cool. That's I, that's rambling. I'm just talking about the same stuff. I feel like I'm always talking about, you know, that's all good, bro. Like that's, that's, that's what we're here for. You know, like, that's why I asked you to come on. Like, you know, like I, I try, I try, I try not to, I try not to. Sorry. No, I said, that's why they say to start a podcast. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 you know, you know, it's like, I don't bring people on here who I don't think are going to fucking talk and take me in different, like, like, like that's, that's I, that's the good shit. You kill it, man. I'm 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 proud to be on it, man. You do your thing, bro, for real. Oh man, you're doing your thought. Oh, thank you, man. No, that means the world. I'm just I'm just ha- you know, I'm just happy to be a piece in all this. Like that's all. Like I'm just I'm just I'm amazed that people care. Yeah, man. We 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 share our own spaces in very similar ways. And you know, we know the responsibility that comes with it, and we know the honor to even have the positions we have. And whether it's small or big on the grand scale of things, we know what it means to us, you know? Yeah. And then that comes, and then that comes through in how we talk to each other, man. You already know, like, that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.